Hello, and welcome to Around the Table, a podcast about food stories from science to everyday life. Today is May the 13th, 2020, of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, been running for a while. And uh, today I'm very pleased to be talking with Esther Gonzalez Padilla, um, who does research on sugar intake and disease she, with a public health approach at Lund University in Sweden. So, Esther, welcome. Thank you very much. I'd like to ask you, first of all, your, your experience of lockdown. Well, um, I have quite a particular experience because I was visiting my parents when the state of alarm was declared in Spain. So not being sure whether I could return or not safely to Sweden, where I usually live and work, or whether that would be sensible at all, I decided to stay. So then the situation has been been quite similar to the one lived in Italy. So it's a full lockdown situation. Um, The lockdown was established on 14th of March, meaning that uh, we were not allowed to go outside of our household other than for groceries, pharmacy, doctor appointments, and if those were not canceled. So um, I have spent some good 50 days without living in my parents' house. And now we're finally uh, being allowed to leave the house and some restrictions has been, have been slowly eased off. So now I have one hour of outdoor exercise and um and just this Monday, some shops and establishments have been able to reopen with restrictions on capacity. But, you know, um, it's it's been a rough journey, to be honest. But uh, now I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel, although mostly through a glass window. But uh, it, it's how it is. So, Esther, can you give, tell me something about your experience with food? How has it been in, uh, in Canary Islands? Well, um, Spain has a really strong food culture. And it's one of those countries championing Mediterranean diet. So there is much of our social interactions that revolve around the dining table and eating. Uh, One of the key features of Mediterranean diet even includes this social aspect of meal sharing and slow eating. So we have a very specific term for it in Spain. It's called sobremesa. And that refers to the time that we spend around the table after a meal has taken place, just socializing or talking or joking and creating bonds. So it only makes sense now that those people in the working force that used to eat in 30 minutes or to be able to go back to work or that were forced forced to eat at a desk or while commuting, they can now take time to enjoy meals together with their family or whoever lives in their homes, but also to cook together. So in my case, personally, now that we have more time cooking uh, at home, uh, there's uh, it's, I mean, cooking is a great pastime, right? It's not only uh, a good thing to sort of, um, let me rephrase that. Um, so now that we have more time at home, cooking is a good pastime. Uh, and not only, we now have more time to actually cook and to try out recipes that require a bit more time, but it's a great activity to involve children if there are any in the house or to do together with your partner, family or housemates. So as a result of that, we can see that social media has been flooded with recipes from known chefs and restaurant chains alike. And they have recipes for cooking at home, making your own bread, your own pasta, 
baking sweet treats or the secret recipes for your favorite takeaways. So for me personally, I've have always been a foodie and I love cooking for myself and for others. And try, I love trying out new recipes and ingredients. So during lockdown or quarantine, I have tried my hand at making my own bread. And although I completely failed at getting my sourdough started, I will try again. So yeah, I think cooking provides me and my family, and although mostly me and my mom, a good source of entertainment, especially on the weekends when we're not working. Are you able to get most of the foods you usually have, or has anything um, changed? Some of them, I think, um, especially for specialty foods like, um, I don't know, if you're looking for Asian food ingredients, those might be tricky to get because it's not so common that we cook those at home. Um, Lactose-free products and gluten-free products, those might come in tricky. And then we finally found some fresh yeast after almost two months. So that was a win for my mom. She came back from the grocery store, just screaming out of her lungs, I found some yeast. So then we made some bread. but yes, I think some staple foods have been missing, but not for long. Like they come and go, depends on when you go do your shopping. It's made the experience of mundane food shopping quite much more exciting in some ways, do you think? I guess. I haven't been doing the shopping myself because it's only one person per household allowed. So then it's my mom who does the shopping while we're in this situation. Uh, but yeah, she comes with stories of, you know, not feeling um it it used to be an activity that we did together and it sort of felt like um a bonding activity as well decide what to cook and uh based on the ingredients that we found and now we have to go with a ready-made list and then even with the list sometimes we don't find the articles that we were looking for so i think it's become like a little bit more like stressful um activity that it used to be at least for us that is that's really interesting. Yeah, can you tell me something about your your research on, on sugar and and so on, um, and you know how this relates to the present situation? Yeah. Um, so my sh- my my research is mostly on sugar. Um, so I've been looking at different associations of sugar with uh, several diseases and conditions. So. Um, my first um, paper was published uh, a couple of months ago in March, um, and it was relating to the association of sugar and a phenomenon called micronutrient dilution. Um, and this comes like, it's an interesting topic nowadays because it's related to this phenomenon called micronutrient dilution is related to snacking. So I think when we think of a situation when we're, um, in an environment where we're bored and we're inactive, it's no secret that we eat when we are not stimulated. And I was reading an article uh, a couple of days ago that when we are bored, then food is one of the greatest stimulants we have. So putting this into the light of how a high intake of snacks, which are usually not too healthy, they can, they're related to a lower intake of micronutrients. So I think if we put this into the perspective of um, the lockdown contest, my um, my research just shows us what we sort of suspected already. And it's that um, 
the participants in my study that uh, had the highest sugar intake um, were the ones with the lowest micronutrient intake, meaning vitamins and minerals. So, uh, yeah, I think when uh, when we look at this um, these two together, and then we put them into the contents the of uh, lockdown where we are over snacking all the time because we're bored. We have been um, sort of banned to our houses and we don't have any sort of outdoor entertainment. Uh, we tend to snack a lot more. And I mean, it's not only because of boredom but our fridge and our pantries are just seconds away all the time. I can tell you from personal experience that I had my a fight with my mom a few weeks ago over a bag of crisps. Um, she wanted me to stop eating them because I had worked my way through half of the bag already, but I had set my mind to finish what I started. And then we literally had a tug of war over, the, over that bag of crisps. So, uh, but if we look at my research, obviously I should not, I should listen to my mom more often, I think, because uh, she was right about the bag of crisps. Um, but yeah, I think it's, uh, and with snacks, it's usually the unhealthy ones that are so well-researched you know, it's not any food that will makes us um, feel equally stimulated when we look at snacking as a result of boredom. So there's a lot of research that goes into um, snacks that are not healthy, that are conveniently packed and ready-made and they have the perfect balance of sweetness or saltiness and then high enough fat content to balance those flavors. And even the, the level of crunchiness is studied and designed very carefully. So yeah, definitely this uh, is something that we need to look at, look out and try to eat a little bit healthier. Can you, can you tell me where your, your paper was published? Oh, it was published in Nutrition and Metabolism just in March 2020. Okay, super. Um, you know, Andy Warhol said a long time ago something like it's always the last chip or crisp in the bottom of the packet of, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. the tastiest um, yes it is <laughs> somehow that continues to be true in some way uh, can you tell me something about what you think about the relationships between between healthy dietary habits and obesity and covid i actually quite recently read a an article about um how um COVID symptoms were way worse for those people who are obese. So how those with a body mass index or BMI of over 30 or more um, had around 33% higher risk of dying from the disease than those who are not obese. So I think this is something definitely to take into account um, during this days and try to stay active and eat healthier. Um, both uh, the World Health Organization, WHO, and the uh, World Food Program have issued very easy guidelines to encourage us to eat more healthily during these trying times. Um, they both focus on the importance of good nutrition to keep a healthy immune system, and they emphasize the value of home-cooked meals and the varied diets that limits the intakes of those snacks that we talked about that are high in salt and sugar and fat. Even the one from WHO has some ideas about how to shop for foods that will last us longer so we don't have to go to the, to the stores or the shops so often. And they even had some recipes for healthier uh, options for burgers and 
um, pasta and easy uh, meals to cook at home. So I think it's, it's, it seems quite obvious that we should try to eat as healthily as possible and not just during this crisis, but always, because it prevents many diseases. If we look at uh, my research again, if we look at micronutrient dilution, when we go, we don't meet the levels of minerals and vitamins that can be the stepping stone for developing many other diseases. So maybe perhaps we can take this pandemic as an opportunity to eat more consciously and to find healthier alternatives, to cook more, to share meals, to take the time to slow down and actually enjoy our food and to bring out the social and cultural aspect of diet into our everyday life, sort of post-apocalypse. Esther, that sounds like amazingly good advice, fantastic advice. Um, Esther Gonzalez Padilla, I wish you the very best and an early and safe return to Sweden. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Around the Table is a personal production of Dr. Tess Bird and Professor Stanley Uliazak, who are anthropologists of food and nutrition and of household uncertainty and insecurity. The opinions and ideas expressed are solely those of the contributors and podcasters and do not reflect the opinions of any university body. We currently do not receive funding nor make money from this podcast. The music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you for tuning in.